You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed when they... Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 58. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, All who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with ten thousand to meet him who comes against him with twenty thousand? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple." Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, would you begin by addressing the opening verses I just read, uh, specifically what Jesus is teaching about hating your father and mother, uh, your, your own life, and so on. Yeah, obviously, I think we can figure out that Jesus is speaking hyperbolically here, as we see from the broader context of the New Testament. And this sort of highlights, in a very extreme way, the danger of quoting verses out of context, which many times we've noted on this podcast can be problematic. Now, a lot of times it's not that extreme, of course, but imagine if someone were to use this verse about hating your relatives in isolation. It's obviously a clear misrepresentation of what Jesus actually teaches. Right. I definitely understand that. But how do we make sense of this verse? Uh, How would we explain it, for example, to someone not familiar with the Bible and Jesus' teaching as a whole? Yeah, great question. To really understand it, we need to go back to the story that immediately precedes the statement, which is the parable of the great banquet. Okay, Father, uh, can you remind us of that story? In that parable, Jesus tells of a man who gave a great banquet, or sometimes it's referred to as a great supper. In any case, that man invites several guests, all of whom make excuses and decline to come. And the reasons that they give are as follows. One of them says he bought a piece of ground and he needs to go see it. The second says he bought five yoke of oxen and he needs to test them. And then the third says that he married a wife and therefore cannot come. And so what is the significance of that? Well, I say this with the pun intended, but the lazy interpretation is that the invited guests are being kind of lazy or that they have bad excuses. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I've heard it explained before. Uh, but you're saying that's not correct? No, that, that's not correct at all. Now, the first thing that we need to understand is that we sort of have a gut reaction that the word excuse is used with a negative connotation. Like I might tell my kids to quit making excuses for not doing what I asked them to do. But the word itself does not necessarily mean that. Again, using kids as an example, if they're ill and I call into the school to tell the school, it's called what? An excused absence, which means that it's actually credible or legitimate. 
as compared to what's not good, which is an unexcused absence. So you seem to be implying that the guests who were invited uh, had excused absences, but I'm not sure I really understand that. I mean, I I guess getting married is a pretty good excuse, (laughs) uh, but I'm not so sure about the others. Right, and and that just comes from us living in different times, different type of uh, society. But in Jesus' time, and especially in Old Testament times, and I'll get to that in a minute why it's important here, buying land or buying oxen was something that was highly important. It was very basic to your sustenance. So are you saying that it's not only the marriage, but buying the land and the oxen would actually be good excuses? Uh, Or maybe to borrow from what you said earlier, uh, excused absences? Yeah, absolutely. But we need to go a step further. Like I said, it relates to the Old Testament, specifically if you look in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 5 through 7, and also 1 Maccabees chapter 3, verse 56, we hear of three legitimate excuses for Israelites to avoid being conscripted into the army to go to holy war, a war to defend their country. And the three reasons that are given are buying a house, which is essentially what is meant by buying land, uh, planting a vineyard, which is what the oxen, of course, are for, and betrothal, or just being married. So in this parable, Jesus is applying these excuses to the invited guests and is showing that these excuses, while they're accepted for avoiding being called into the army, do not apply as excused absences for missing out on his banquet. Or to put it differently, they're not legitimate excuses for ignoring the gospel message. And in the grand scheme, then, that means that there are no excuses for not following the gospel. That's interesting. So perhaps now you can relate this back to the opening verses uh, from what I read today about Jesus saying uh, you need to hate your relatives. Yes, so getting back to that, we can see that Jesus is speaking even in that parable, as I said, hyperbolically. That is to say, he's really stretching the point to make his point. And what is that point? Well, the point is that nothing, absolutely nothing, should come between you and his invitation to you to live out the gospel, not family, Not excuses that would have been good enough even to avoid going to war to defend your country or to how we might think about it today, you know, we might call it to avoid or dodge the draft. There is nothing, again, absolutely nothing that you can permit to get in the way of the gospel if you are to be a true follower of Jesus. Thanks for the explanation. Um, It certainly makes sense. And obviously, uh, for most of us, Family is the most uh, important thing in our lives. Yeah, of course. And in addition to that, notice how throughout the gospel, Jesus minimizes family connections in the sense that your truest family is your spiritual family. It's those who accept and live out his message, which is an open invitation to all people to live as neighbors, to live at peace with one another, to put aside our ethnic and cultural differences, and to recognize that we're all in need of God's mercy, and we all need to show mercy to one another. And those that choose to live that way are the highest family, the people, the community of God. Good, good. Uh, Final question for today. Uh, What about the closing verses uh, from today's reading and Jesus's reference to salt? Uh, Would you unpack that for us? Yeah, sure. I think it's quite simple, actually, uh, especially in light of what we just discussed. Salt was an ancient preservative as well as being a main seasoning, something that, of course, we still use to this day for that purpose. So if you understand what I said about the parable of the great banquet or the great supper, then you understand that we must always be on fire, so to speak, for living the gospel message. That's the whole purpose of what Jesus has been saying in these verses. And nothing, again, 
should be allowed to get in our way. So when it comes to this statement about salt, what Jesus is saying is that if we lose our fervor for the gospel, then we lose our place in his kingdom. We cannot allow ourselves to be distracted from the singular focus of practicing and living out his gospel. Because if we do that, then we're no longer seasoning the earth, so to speak. We have just become another distraction, another person wandering aimlessly on this earth. And Jesus needs people committed to his cause, committed to living out the gospel without distraction. And of course, Jesus does that even unto death. And then there were many martyrs who followed after him. And that's how and why the gospel spread, because people saw the real commitment to the gospel. They saw that it wasn't just hollow words of Jesus and the martyrs. They saw it wasn't just about feeling superior or being self-righteous, as so much of religion is about. They saw the gospel as it should be seen, as something unique and something worth giving your life for. Thank you, Father. In discussing the opening verses from today's reading, Father Aaron stressed the importance of not taking isolated verses out of context. In doing so with our opening verses today that speak about hating your father and mother, we would be clearly misrepresenting the intent of Christ's teaching. To better understand, we considered the preceding parable of the great banquet, which on its face might be misunderstood as labeling those who gave the man poor excuses for not attending as lazy. But as Father pointed out, there are legitimate excuses in life, as is the case with our children being excused from school when they are ill. And in the Old Testament, we see these very same three excuses listed as legitimate reasons for avoiding conscription into the army. However, Jesus is stating that while these are credible excuses for the purpose of avoiding being called into the army, they do not apply as an excused absence for missing his banquet. More broadly, this means that there are no excuses for not following the gospel message. When applied to our reading today, we can now clearly see that Jesus is telling us that nothing should come between us and his invitation to live out the gospel. Finally, we examine Jesus' statement about salt. Here we see that if our salt loses its flavor, which means that we have lost our fervor for the gospel, then we are no longer seasoning the earth. And so we must recognize the truth of the gospel and be committed to the cause of Christ and his kingdom. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to the O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to the O God. O our God and our hope, glory to thee.